you probably don't need as much magnesium when you're carnivore because you're not eating the sugar, you're not eating the anti-nutrients, the things that make it harder for your body to absorb the magnesium. I think based on the research that I've done, optimal level is closer to seven to 800 milligrams per day. Now that's a lot. You're probably gonna struggle to get that from your food. There are some things you can do to really up it through food, but most of us are gonna need to take a supplement. That's just the world we live in. Our magnesium levels are constantly being decreased by things we eat, by other things in our body, and we're not absorbing it as well as we used to. So if you really want your magnesium levels in the right place, welcome to Take Back Your Health. I am Dr. Richard Huntsman, chiropractic physician and functional medicine practitioner. Today we're going to talk about all things magnesium. Magnesium is one that gets talked about a lot. My goal is that by the end of this, you'll understand where your magnesium levels are at, why it's important for you, what you can do about it if you feel like you're low or too high, and, and how that might help you. So let's start by talking about what does magnesium do. Now, magnesium is a mineral. It's essential for many processes in the body. We need it for healthy muscles, nerves, keep our blood sugar stable, among many other things. So it's one of the most abundant minerals in the body. I think it's top five. It is used in over 300 processes throughout the body. Now, in our body, there's a bunch of different receptors for different things. So there are, of course, receptors for magnesium. There's over 3,700 different receptors for magnesium. So that shows you how important this mineral is for us. Now, when we look at the numbers, over 20% of people are clinically deficient. Now, clinically deficient would mean that on a blood test or some other form of testing, they show up as low. But... That doesn't take into account all the people who are subclinical. Subclinical would mean they're just kind of at the bottom end of that range. Over 75% of people show signs of being subclinically low in magnesium. So most of us do not have enough magnesium. Why is this? The number one thing is we may not be eating enough. Later we'll get into high magnesium foods, but a lot of people aren't eating the type of foods that have sufficient amounts of magnesium especially in obese populations. There's a term called overfed, undernourished. That's what many in the, in the U.S. And, and around the world are. Is, you know, they have plenty of body fat, but they're undernourished in that they, they don't have enough nutrients or, you know, their vitamins and minerals. And so they're in an, a malnourished state despite having, you know, 50, 100 extra pounds. Okay, another reason why people are low is our, our soil's getting depleted. Now, some of this has to do with, with over-farming, but a big part of this actually has to do with glyphosate. If you don't know what glyphosate is, that's Roundup. Roundup is used in most of our crops, especially the grain crops, wheat and corn, things like that. Glyphosate binds up magnesium. They actually knew this before they started using glyphosate for crops. Roundup has an interesting backstory. It was discovered twice independently. Uh, was first discovered and they, they found that it was doing, you know, this binding to the magnesium and different minerals. And then later it was discovered by the, you know, the, the group that, that works with Monsanto now and started using crops. But before that, they knew that glyphosate was bad for magnesium levels, especially in the soil. Um, but it also makes you wonder, and I haven't seen any tests proving this, but it makes you wonder if it's bad for the magnesium in the soil, what is it doing in our body? All of us have Roundup in us. If you eat any wheat product, if you eat any corn product, even some of the meat that you eat that is 
eating the corn, eating the oats, the things that are sprayed with it, we all have glyphosate in us. So that is one theory that I have of how magnesium might be decreasing. Again, that, that's just my theory. I haven't seen any data to show that. Other causes of low magnesium would be not enough vitamin D. Many of us are low in vitamin D as well. Um, I recently got a test back and was surprised how my vitamin level D levels were. So I started upping my vitamin D intake because I don't get out in the sun enough uh, when I'm working. That's the biggest cause of, of low vitamin D. There's other things that can cause it, toxicity and, and other things. But So vitamin D is necessary for magnesium absorption. So if we're low there, the, then even if we're eating adequate levels of magnesium, we won't be absorbing it. Uh, the other thing, the other big one that can lower our magnesium levels is sugar intake. Um, most of us eat too much sugar. What sugar does is it decreases the absorption of magnesium. Okay, so again, you might be eating enough, but if you're eating high levels of sugar or refined grains and things like that that turn to sugar in the body, it will decrease the amount of magnesium you're absorbing. Now, in the United States, 50% of us are pre-diabetic. So that means at least 50% of us have blood sugar issues. Okay, so when we look at magnesium, it's not just about how much we're eating. There are other factors we have to look at. Now, if you're someone that struggles with vitamin D or struggles with or sugar intake, you got to fix those if you want to get your magnesium levels right. So what are signs that magnesium might be low? There's a lot. If you type in just about any condition and magnesium, low magnesium, you will probably find a correlation. Here's some of the most common headaches. Loss of appetite, nausea, fatigue is a big one. Muscle cramps um, are often low magnesium or potassium or both. Seizures can be caused by low magnesium. A regular heartbeat is often that. So there's a lot of things. It's also been tied to high blood pressure, heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, osteoporosis. Again, you name a condition and low magnesium is probably tied to it. So that's the low side of things. On the high side of things, we really don't see this that often outside of kidney failure. So the risk is pretty low. I don't know that I've ever tested someone and seen high magnesium or really suspected that that was the case. Because again, our body is pretty good at getting rid of magnesium when it needs to. So except in the cases where the kidneys are really struggling, high magnesium isn't really something we worry too much about. Okay, so now... What if you suspect that your levels are low? What do you do? Easiest would be blood test. And there's a serum magnesium, which will be part of most standard blood panels if they're running a chemistry panel. The serum magnesium will be in there. And that's decent. You can get a pretty good idea. It's not the best test. Uh, a better test is what they call RBC magnesium. Now that's the red blood cell. They're measuring the magnesium inside of it. It is a better test. It's still not perfect either. And it's a bit more expensive, but you can usually get it for 40 or 50 bucks. It's not too bad. Both of those will give you a good idea of what your magnesium is doing, but they might show normal, even though you show all the signs of having low magnesium. Okay, so we have to take it a bit with a grain of salt. Now, how much magnesium do you need? Now, the amount recommended is between three to 400 milligrams per day. Okay, something to understand with recommended amounts is they're only recommending the amount that it takes to make it so you're not deficient, okay? Normal levels, quote-unquote normal, 
and optimal levels are rarely the same. I want to see magnesium intake higher, especially in the world that we live in with the food that we eat. We need our magnesium levels a lot higher than three to 400. I think based on the research that I've done, optimal level is closer to seven to 800 milligrams per day. Now that's a lot. You're probably going to struggle to get that from your food. There are some things you can do to really up it through food, but most of us are going to need to take a supplement. That's just the world we live in. Our magnesium levels are constantly being decreased by things we eat, by other things in our body. Um, We're not absorbing it as well as we used to. So if you really want your magnesium levels in the right place, you're likely going to have to supplement. And I'll talk about supplements in a minute, uh, which ones I like and and what I use personally. Um, But let's talk about foods. Now, we can get magnesium from our food. There's... Some good ones would be pumpkin seed. Now, they're, I think, about the highest magnesium levels in a food, uh, at least like by weight. 300 milligrams in a quarter cup. So that's almost half of your magnesium need in a quarter cup of pumpkin seeds. That's not that many. The problem with pumpkin seeds and some of the other things I'm going to talk about is the phytic acid. Now, I won't get too much into what phytic acid is, but let's just say that it makes it so you will not absorb all 300 milligrams of that magnesium in the pumpkin seed, okay? Phytic acid is what they call an anti-nutrient. It binds up other nutrients and makes it so we don't absorb them. So that's something to be aware of with, with pumpkin seed. A food that doesn't have that problem would be salmon or other fatty fish. In a four-ounce serving of salmon, there's 120 to maybe 150 milligrams of magnesium. And most of that magnesium is going to be absorbed. The benefits of fatty fish are huge. Everyone should eat fish at least once or twice per week. Um, you can get good, you know, non-farmed Atlantic wild-caught salmon for decent prices anymore. Even canned salmon, that's usually what I do that I buy from Costco. And I just mix it with some cottage cheese and I eat that once or twice per week. Now, that'll help me with my magnesium levels, you know, a bit, but... Also, the omega-3s and the protein and all the other things that are, that are beneficial in fish. I think salmon's a great way to get your magnesium. Brazil nuts are also pretty high in magnesium. They go along with pumpkin seeds. They do have phytic acid, and Brazil nuts actually have quite a bit phytic acid. They also have zinc, though, so you kind of got to balance that. Brazil nuts do have a lot of things that a lot of people are low in. Uh, again, a quarter cup's about 130 milligrams of Brazil nuts. And then steak, actually. People don't think of red meat when they think magnesium. And it's not as high as fish, but a serving, you know, three to four ounces of steak is going to have 60 to 70 milligrams of magnesium. Now, one thing that I get asked about is the carnivore diet, you know, and how are we going to get our magnesium if we're carnivore? You probably don't need as much magnesium when you're carnivore because you're not eating the sugar, you're not eating the things, the anti-nutrients, the things that make it harder for your body to absorb the magnesium. The reason that I put that number, I think the number is so high at seven to 800 milligrams per day is because of the things that are making it so we don't absorb it or that um, we're excreting it or burning it. So when you're eating carnivore, you're not gonna have as many of those issues. I still think most people that follow a carnivore diet should probably take a magnesium supplement at least for a while when they first start but you probably don't need as much and your body will tell you we'll we'll talk about when we get to supplements 
Um, one thing I want to talk about is leafy greens. Leafy greens often get mentioned in the magnesium discussion because by weight, they do have a decent amount of magnesium. The problem is you've got to eat a lot of spinach or kale or Swiss chard or whatever it is to get enough magnesium. And they also have those phytic acids that are going to reduce the amount you absorb. So I really, I don't think leafy greens are a great way for magnesium. If you like them and, and you tolerate them well, fine, but don't think that you're eating them just because of the magnesium. Uh, so lastly, let's talk supplements. And when you look into magnesium, there are so many different kinds. Um, so it's hard to really know what you should be taking, you know, should you just take the magnesium off the shelf at Walmart or, you know, buy it on Amazon. So let me give you some guidelines. Generally, magnesium is pretty safe. You'll know you're taking too much if you start to get some diarrhea or some stomach cramping. That's about the only symptom of taking too much magnesium. So let's start with citrate. Citrate's a really common one. Citrate's cheap. I like citrate. It's good for general digestion and also relaxation. There's a product called Calm, which I like, especially for kids. It tastes pretty good, and it's easy to get them to take it, and it's purely magnesium citrate. Now, next one is magnesium oxide. This one you'll see a lot because it's cheap. Um, it's cheap for the manufacturer. I don't like magnesium oxide. I don't think it's very effective for getting our magnesium levels up, but it can work as a laxative. So sometimes there is a use for a high-dose magnesium oxide, if we're trying to induce, you know, a laxative type effect. Um, but generally, if oxide is the only form of magnesium in a supplement, I'm going to recommend you get something better. Next is magnesium sulfate. Now, this is what you'll find in Epsom salt. So when people are soaking in an Epsom bath or something like that, and then it helps them relax, that's the magnesium sulfate. That's what it's best at. It's also what you'll see often in like magnesium oils that you use topically, things like that generally they're going to contain magnesium sulfate. Magnesium sulfate is not usually one you're going to find in something that you take orally. Generally, it's going to be a topical application. Now, magnesium glycinate is next. It's one of my favorites. This is one that I use to help people sleep. It's really good for sleep, really good for calming you down. Now, with magnesium and sleep, Usually, it's not going to put you to sleep. Some people it does, but that's not really what its effect is. It helps your nervous system relax. Okay, so the sleep that you do get will be better. You'll sleep deeper, and you'll just wake up feeling better. Okay, so that's something that I think people misunderstand with magnesium. They take it expecting to, oh, it's going to knock me out, and I'm going to sleep eight straight hours. It's not really what it does, but it really can benefit you someone who doesn't sleep well or doesn't rest well. Uh, magnesium glycinate is one of my favorites for that purpose. Now, next would be magnesium malate. Malate's interesting. It kind of has the opposite effect of glycinate in that it can give you some energy. Now, it's not going to like necessarily make it so you can't sleep if you were to take it late at night, but for people who struggle with fatigue, magnesium malate can really help. It's one of one of, if not the only, forms of magnesium that is energizing. Magnesium generally, all forms are calming, except for malate. Um, so I really like malate. Now, magnesium lysinate is another one. Lysinate, glycinate, malate. You can see they all kind of sound the same, but lysinate is good for digestive health. It's also the most absorbable, from what I can tell, form of magnesium. So if you're looking to help your digestion, to help calm a stomach or 
you know, get your bowels moving a little better. Lysinate is really good at that. The last one is probably my favorite form, but this one serves specific purpose. Now this one you'll see labeled as magnesium l 3 innate. Sometimes you'll see it as magteen, M-A-G-T-E-I-N. That's more of a proprietary name, but l 3 innate. okay? This is a newer form. It's kind of get more popular. This one helps with the brain. That's why I like it. You know, I work with a lot of brain conditions in my clinic. I gave this to my son when my son was having seizures. Now, I'm not saying this helped treat the seizures, but it helped relax his system, and eventually he was seizure-free. And I think a big part of it was because of the magnesium L3 and 8 I was giving him. So it helps with brain health, focus, helps mood. The reason 3 and 8 is different is it can cross what's called the blood-brain barrier. So our brain has this barrier like it sounds like. Basically, it has these tight little pathways that only certain things can get in and out. Okay, Most forms of magnesium cannot cross that without a, you know, a carrier of some kind. Magnesium L3 and 8 can. So it's going to get into the brain and help raise the magnesium levels in the brain, which can be very useful for people that struggle with anxiety, depression, you know, other mood disorders. Like I said, seizure, I have seen good results with magnesium L3 and 8 to help those people relax their system as well. Um, so that's why it's one of my favorites. It's not one that I personally take every day. I will take it if I'm feeling a little anxious or, you know, something like that. I will take a scoop of magnesium L3 and 8. Now, I do take magnesium every day. Right now, I'm taking about 500 milligrams. You wouldn't want to take that much all at once, probably. For most people, that would be too much for their bowels. So I take it in the morning and at night. I just split my dose. Now, I prefer a blended form, okay, so that I'm getting benefits of multiple forms of magnesium. The type that I take is from a company called Zymogen. Um, and I'll put a link in the show notes to this product. It's one of my favorites. It's called OptiMag. Now, OptiMag contains glycinate, malate, lysinate. I think they do throw a little bit of the oxide in there, but I could be wrong on that. The glycinate, malate, and lysinate cover most of the bases for what I want magnesium to do. So there you have it. That's pretty much what you need to know about magnesium. Like I said, most of us don't have enough. Most of us will benefit from supplementation. The great part about that is, is it's very safe. It's very effective and it's not that expensive. You know, even a good, really good magnesium, you're going to be paying 20 to 25 bucks a month, maybe. Um, and that would be some, you know, the best magnesium you can get. So I think it's worth looking into. Always consult your doctor before making any changes. If you're on medications or things like that, magnesium can have some interactions, but generally it's fairly safe. Increase your magnesium intake through food. Um, use the pumpkin seeds. Uh, Brazil nuts, salmon. Again, salmon's my favorite. If you're trying to get magnesium from food, add some more salmon into your diet, um, and that'll really help. Thanks for listening today. If you found this helpful, please share it with someone. We're a new podcast, so I'd love to get the word out so we can help as many people as possible. And I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Take Back Your Health with Dr. Richard Huntsman. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the next episode. The information provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. The content presented here is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical question or before embarking on any new health program.